The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask anything of the Father, he will give it to you in my name. Hitherto you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, that your joy may be full. I have said this to you in figures. The hour is coming when I shall no longer speak to you in figures, but tell you plainly of the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say that you shall I do not say to you that I shall pray to the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from the Father. I came from the Father and have come into the world. Again I am leaving the world and going to the Father. The Gospel of the Lord. The Lord ends today's gospel. He says, I came from the Father and have come into the world, a reference to the uh, assumption of his human nature, the taking of that human nature to himself when he uh, descends to take upon himself our human nature so that he might, as he says here, leave the world and go to the Father. Now, obviously, in his divine nature, he has never left the Father. But this leaving that he is talking about is now the ascension of his human nature into the glory of heaven the glory uh, that is rightfully his post his passion, his death, his resurrection and ascension. And here he is consoling his disciples once again. And the consolation he offers them is very beautiful. He has consoled them in multiple ways. One is that even though they are sorrowful, his first consolation to them, he says, is, I will come to you. I will come to you. And so that is the beautiful promise of the gift of himself to us in the Eucharist, the way in, Lord, the way in which the Lord continually comes to us and is with us, the way in which he truly fulfills his promise to be with us until the end of time. The Lord Jesus is with us in the Eucharist. This is our first and principal consolation. The other consolation that he gives to his disciples, he promises them the gift of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, says, I will also send it to you, this great consoler of God, the love of God. The Holy Spirit is promised to us by Christ, given to us in baptism, and dwells within us as a temple when we are in grace. But the Lord brings those promises of consolation to completion because we worship a God that is one and triune. And the final consolation that he promises to his disciples after he has promised his own return and the gift of the Holy Spirit is that they will have a relationship with the Heavenly Father. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the beautiful consolation of the Christian, is that we dwell in a life of unity and intimacy with the Trinity, with the triune God, children of our Heavenly Father, temples of the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters of Christ the Son. And it is this life and this intimacy with the Holy Trinity that is our peace, that is our consolation, and that is our final goal. 
The Lord says to his disciples that until this point they have not asked anything in his name. But if they ask anything of the Father in his name, it will be given to them. So what does this mean to ask in his name? Because until this point they have asked the Lord many things, but they have not asked in his name. Their prayers have not been directed to the Father, but have been directed to Christ in his human nature as a mediator between God and men. But as Christ is God himself, he is not an intercessor for us. He is the one to whom our prayers are directed. He is God. And so to ask in his name has multiple layers, and the church fathers kind of pick through these layers quite beautifully. To ask in his name, first and foremost, because he is the Savior, it means to ask for things that pertain to our salvation. When we pray in the name of the Savior, it means we ask for things that will direct us towards or move us closer to salvation. First and foremost, that is what it means to ask in his name. But secondly, it also means when we do something in the name of another person, it means we do something according to the will, their will, something they willed to be done, but we also do it in the manner in which they willed it to be done. And so when we do something in the name of Christ, or petition something in the name of Christ, it is to pray not only in the way that he wants or for what he desires, but also in that same manner, that same disposition, that same spirit. And I think this is the last and most important level as well, which is that when we pray in his name, it is not simply we who pray, but it is God himself through the Spirit who prays within us. God himself who prays on our behalf, as it says in Scripture, because we do not know how to pray as we ought, and so the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with sighs beyond words. And so the Holy Spirit again is working within us to teach us to pray, but lastly, when the Lord is speaking here, he is not speaking to the individual. If you ask anything of the Father, it is plural, multiple. So also, this prayer is a petition that comes from the unity within the church. And this is also what gives it its great power. Where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. When we fix our intentions on one thing for the sake of love, for the sake of Christ, then our prayers have a great power. And so today, we remember especially, as the Holy Father has asked, and why we are celebrating this votive Mass of Our Lady, Help of Christians, we are praying in a special way for the Church in China, those who suffer persecution, those who are suffering for the living out of their faith, and so the Holy Father has asked that the Christian peoples will gather in prayer and will pray in a very particular way for the church in China. We pray in a particular way as well for Cardinal Zen, who was arrested and now stands trial. We pray that he will receive true justice, right justice, the justice that God desires. And we pray that he will have the fortitude and strength to continue to lead the people according to God's will by his own example, but also even if it comes to it through his sufferings. And we pray for all the sufferings of the church there. We know that suffering is normally the seedbed of growth for Christians. 
And so we pray that the Lord, through our united prayers, as we stand before him, praying in his name, as we pray for things that pertain to salvation, we ask the Lord that he will pour his grace upon that country, that he will look upon the sufferings of all of his people there, and that there will be a new, renewed outpouring of his Holy Spirit in that land, and that the Christian and Catholic life will flourish there. Amen.